This is the Find Your Forte podcast, Technique Tuesday. You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, and I am delighted to bring to you today my audio essay that is entitled Seven Ways to Love Your Choir, Be the Leader They Need. This is Technique Tuesday number 35, so you can actually find the written version of this over at ryanguth.com forward slash TT035 if you'd like to read it at your own pace over there or or catch up on it later after you listen today. Also, throw some links there as well. Um, Over at ryanguth.com, you will find uh, in the show notes for this episode and uh, around, you will find ways to support the podcast. The first is patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And you would want to go to patreon.com forward slash find your forte. And then you can make a recurring pledge to the Find Your Forte podcast, and it helps me with the expenses, buys me some coffee, and just a little little pat on the back, a little tap on the head, say thank you, Ryan, for um, giving me value uh, through the Find Your Forte podcast. So uh, again, it's patreon.com forward slash find your forte. It takes less than five minutes to set up. Also, I do a lot of speaking, and I am booking my summer right now. Uh, I have a couple things coming up. One that's a very big announcement, but other things um, are going to be taking place in the Midwest. I'll be in Iowa for ICDA, giving the keynote opening speech there at ICDA for the uh, annual Choral Symposium. So I am a keynote speaker. I am a, a session presenter, breakout session presenter, and whatever else you want. Motivational speaker, I'll talk to your kids. I'll Skype in uh, and talk to your kids. So if you have an interest in having me speak, please reach out to me. I am booking my summer. I am booking my school year right now. So reach out to me at ryan at ryanguth.com. Again, ryan at ryanguth.com. And if I can work something out with you where I could speak to your students or or to your conference or whatever, I would love to do that. So um, hit me up if, you, if you're interested in having me speak. I have all sorts of topics to talk about. And very lastly, I want to make sure you know to head on over to Facebook and join the Choir Nation Facebook group. Uh, Facebook is a wonderful meeting place for great choral directors, and the Choir Nation Facebook group is the top. If you go there, we have over 800 members to date, and they're all awesome and positive and fantastic, and I love them just as much as I love my choir. So if you want to jump in to the Choir Nation Facebook group, just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Choir Nation, or just search Choir Nation in the Facebook search bar and you will find it and you can request access there. So remember three things, Patreon, number two, speaking, number three, Choir Nation Facebook group. If you, if you get, uh, confused and you don't remember, you can always go to ryanguth.com and you can find links to everything on the show notes page uh, of every episode. All right, Choir Nation, let's get into this audio essay entitled Seven Ways to Love Your Choir, Be the Leader They Need. 
you wouldn't know this since I'm the guy who wrote your choir sucks because you suck, but I'm a sappy, open, and vulnerable choir director. It doesn't take much to get me all choked up in rehearsal when I'm loving on my choir and I feel it in return. Today, I want to share with you the things I do to make my choir members fall in love with singing in my choirs. Let me just start by saying I would never want to be a kid in 2016. It looks a lot harder than it was when I was growing up. They have a lot more access to tools that allow them to compare themselves to each other, always trying to quote-unquote be enough to gain the approval of their peers, teachers, family, and unfortunately, lastly, themselves. Choral music has this amazing way of opening us up and exposing all of the gushy inside bits, doesn't it? It's one of those arts that the general public, parents, administrators, and colleagues won't ever understand until they're in it themselves. Or maybe they never will, because they're not in your choir looking through the eyes of a young adult in 2016. In my humble opinion, choir is the least parts technical and the most parts vulnerable. Sure, how we form our vowels is important to me, but it takes a buy-in from your choir before they can care about what vowel the vowels as much as you do. Here's how you can love your choir so the buy-in comes naturally without canned compliments and insincerity. Number one, listen for what your choir needs in the moment by reading the room. Listening is our number one priority as choral directors, and for me, the most perplexing part of the whole equation. If we're prepared, we come into rehearsal with an idea of what the music should sound like, and we shape the choir into what we imagine. At the same time, we have to be free to respond in the moment to what the choir needs from us. An interesting dichotomy. In order to be fully spontaneous to music making, we need to listen to the choir. Read the room. What is the overall mood in this very moment, and what do you sense from them? Here are some possibilities of what you will sense when you read the room. Are they anxious, excited, overwhelmed, hungry, cheerful, optimistic, high on life, goofy, and the list goes on. Secondly, what is the energy level, high, medium, or low? Remember that there are varying degrees of emotion, and each includes different levels and kinds of energy. For example, you can have a choir that is nervous about a performance, and it could translate to loud, boisterous behavior or quiet anxiety. The way you will respond has to do with the complete room reading or the mood plus the energy level. So recall the list I spoke about earlier, anxious, excited, overwhelmed, and so forth, and then pair it with the energy level, high, medium, or low. So here are some possible room reads and responses to the room reading. High energy slash cheerful. Start rehearsal with the rousing spiritual today, then continue to the folk ballad. Low energy slash tired. Mix up the seating and sing through a song you know well. Low energy slash anxious. How about rehearsing under dim lighting? High energy slash excited. Go outside and soak up the sun for the first few minutes and do your physical part of your warm-up out there. Medium energy, contemplative. If it's raining, run outside and get a little wet and laugh together. Then come back inside and run your rehearsal. Medium energy slash overwhelmed. Why not dim the lights and do a guided meditation 
with your choir like one from the honest guys on YouTube. And if you go to choir nation, I'm sorry, ryanguth.com forward slash TT035, you will see a link to a guided meditation from the honest guys on YouTube. Number two, share stories with your choir. Sometimes you shouldn't rehearse, but rather open up and share a story or memory that is applicable to the situation. Anyone who tells you that choir rehearsal is for learning the music from a technical perspective is wrong, and they should be struck gently about the head and neck with a rolled-up newspaper. Just kidding. Please don't strike anyone. I make more progress when I tell a story that is hard for me to tell. This year, 9-11 fell on a Sunday. On the Tuesday after, while working on Moses Hogan's Hear My Prayer, I had to step back and acknowledge the day and share with my choir of Albuquerque teens what it was like to live back east on that historic and sadly tragic day. The story was about keeping in mind who in your audience needs your music when you sing, what they may be grieving, what baggage they may come in with, and how you can help them unload their worries and move to a higher understanding of themselves through a connected performance. I cried, they cried, which wasn't the goal, by the way, but we sang a rendition of Hear My Prayer that changed the way we think about performing it in the future. Sometimes a goofy story works just as well to lighten the mood. Read the room, like above, and share it with your choir. They'll love you for it. Number three, be grateful for your choir. Before, during, and after rehearsal, be full of gratitude for those you direct. Remember the tremendous privilege you have of working with students that are interested in what you have to share, and that you get to make music that changes the lives of those who hear it. Isn't that cool? I think so. The other day, I was having a fit trying to stay calm on the phone before my concert choir class. At the time of writing this essay, I have been a Southwesterner for all of a month and was still moving money and am still moving money from my accounts in NYC to Albuquerque. The nice lady on the phone at the bank was what I call, quote unquote, two walnuts short of a Chinese chicken salad and was not understanding my predicament. That being said, I'm always nice on the phone with customer service people, but that day I felt myself getting worked up. Anyway, I'm sure it's because I'm 2,000 miles away from any of my East Coast bank branches, and I felt absolutely helpless while money was flowing out of my account. All I was trying to do was stop the bleeding. In my opinion, the lady on the phone didn't have enough gauze and proceeded to wrap it around my face instead of my severed leg. Let's just say it wasn't a good feeling. When I got off the phone, finally, I sat down on the bench outside the high school and soaked up some sun and reminded myself how amazing rehearsal was going to be and felt the warmth of gratitude pour over me. Right there, I made the choice that today was going to be a great day, not only for me, but for my choir. And it was, but I had to will it so. We had one incredible rehearsal because I took responsibility I chose not to be a victim of circumstance and gave it everything I had for almost two hours. We have block periods, and it paid dividends. There's something about teaching from a place of gratitude that makes it more authentic. Your kids will notice and come along for the ride. Number four, get to know each member of your choir. Let's start with their names. When you're done reading this, there's an article I want you to read 
on the show notes page on the importance of a name written by Colorado teacher Valerie Strauss. You have an obligation to remember names and say them correctly. Whenever you mispronounce a name and the child says, it's okay, you can call me whatever, you must respond with, no, I want to get it right, and I will get it right. Please correct me if I'm wrong. This is part of loving your choir. That being said, number five, spend time with your choir even when you don't have to. Another way would be to spend time doing non-choir activities with your choir. I recently went on a student-organized trip to the local quote-unquote family fun center where I rode go-karts, bumper boats, played mini-golf, laser tag, laughed, and got to know about 20 kids from my upper-level ensemble on a Saturday. The day allowed me to learn about them in their quote-unquote natural habitat, see who the leaders are, and my inner 12-year-old found that day quite enjoyable as well. If you can't get out to the amusement park, consider organizing an in-school field trip or team bonding day where there are many professionals that will come out to your school and do this for a period or even the whole day. Number six, trust your choir and discipline when necessary. They want candy, so keep feeding them vegetables until they thank you for it. Mark Lawley, paraphrased. Keeping the professionalism bar just out of reach of your choir is essential to creating an ensemble that respects you, their audience, and most of all, themselves. I have enormously high professional expectations for my ensembles, from the way they walk into a performance, to how they dress, groom, use their cell phones, treat each other, and execute their music. This is a set of expectations that does a great job of weeding out kids who aren't interested in being great and sometimes frustrates others. But in the end, however, I am left with a group of graduates who say, thank you for believing in me. We're often afraid of the side effects of disciplining a student because we don't want to rock the boat, upset kids and parents, and get administration involved. After all, We have this cushy job, and we would not want to jeopardize it. That's looking at for you, not your students, unfortunately. You have to believe a kid can do better, even when parents don't believe it, or the administration doesn't want the headache. If you have a scuffle with a parent about disciplining their child, you can always say, I have high expectations for your son or daughter because I believe in them. How could they fault you for having an outlook like that about their child? Also, remember that your first teaching job or current job isn't necessarily the right fit. You should find a place that shares your values. Sometimes your job starts out that way and because administrative changes no longer lives up to your expectations. In that case, it's okay to move on. Your mental health and well-being are priceless. Your kids need you to keep that bar high because you love them. They'll thank you for it, I promise. Number seven, tell your choir you love them. Tell them. This is the most simple, straightforward, and easy way to love your choir. Tell them and tell them why. If you do steps one through six, they'll know, but saying it is also important. I was lucky to grow up in a two-parent home with a mother and father that reminded me regularly. My father would lecture me for hours and end with, I love you. And although I continued being a a a-hole for quite some time, I always knew he loved me. Think about the number of kids who don't hear it from their mom or dad. Kids doing what they do naturally, seeking approval. You can be the one in their lives that approves. Love has no limits. 
no expiration dates, and knows no boundaries. Thanks for listening. I love you. And now get out there and love your choir. All right, Choir Nation, thank you so much for listening today. I want to let you know that tomorrow on the Find Your Forte podcast, we start a, a new series called Tips from Pro Choirs. And tomorrow features Laura Pancoast, uh, one of the administrators of the Santa Fe Desert Chorale, one of America's preeminent professional choirs. And she is going to be giving us tips that we can um, use with our high school choir or our middle school choir or our college choir that is derived from things that the professional ensemble, Santa Fe Desert Corral, does themselves in in their business operations. So get ready for some really creative ideas tomorrow on the Find Your Forte podcast and check out Laura Pancoast on episode 66. And I am so very excited to let you know that next week, next week we have an interview for episode 67 next Wednesday with Craig Hella Johnson. And it is a wonderful interview. Uh, I was so thrilled. And um, it, is, it is called Find an Entry Point. And uh, you'll learn a little bit more about what that means when you listen to, to Craig on that episode. So you got two weeks of awesome interviews coming up. And uh, we got Betsy Cook-Weber coming up after that. We have Jake Renestad. Um, some amazing people coming up in the next month on the podcast. So stay tuned in to the Find Your Forte podcast and head on over to my website, ryanguth.com. Check out what we got there. And uh, yeah, just have a fantastic week. Enjoy the rest of your week and love your choir. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.